Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Hello, this is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I greet you once again in that glorious, matchless, and majestic name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the wonderful day that the Lord has made, and in it we will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm so glad that you have decided to join me once again for Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, on today's broadcast, I'm so excited to bring you part two of the message that we started on last week. That message is entitled, From the Cross to the Third Day. From the Cross to the Third Day. Now make sure if you have not heard that message, make sure you hear it. It's going to bless you. Well, like I said, today is a part two, and we're going to subtitle it, The Journey Through Hell. It's a powerful message, and I can't wait for you to hear it. What happened after Jesus died on the cross? I believe the answer to that question is going to bless you thoroughly. So you don't want to miss not one single moment of it. And don't forget to join us on our website 24 hours a day at www.kingdomrock.org. All right, without any further ado, here comes today's message entitled, The Journey Through Hell, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather around your rich word. We, pray, we do pray, Father, that you would feed us with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Lord, we rely on you. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak, that you would teach us, that you would fill us up. Give us the illumination, revelation that we all need. We pray for that right now word that will pierce our hearts and cause deliverance to come. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, for the last few weeks, uh, really months, we've been speaking from the subject of You Will Reign in Life. From the vast series title, You Will Reign in Life. And uh, on last week, we spoke from the subject of Between the Cross and the Third Day. Some things happened there between the cross and the third day. And now let me bring this to your attention as well before we, uh, as we get into this today. It's important for you to understand that when the word of God goes forth, when the Holy Spirit ministers, it's important that you hear what God is saying and also hear what God is saying. Two different things. Sounds confusing, but let me help you out. Hear what God is saying. That is, as the minister is up bringing forth the word of the Lord, hear with your audible ears, your natural ears. Then, then at the same time, hear with your spiritual ears because the Lord will be revealing other things to you while the word of God goes forth. So there are different layers that are going on right now. He'll show you different pictures. And sometimes you'll find yourself, uh, the Lord will, the minister will start on one area and then the Lord says, see that? And he takes you over here, way over here, and you're and he's dealing with you. The Holy Spirit is dealing with you. And then he'll bring you back over here. Now, of course, the rest of us are all going on in this thing. That's why you're going to have to get a copy of the the CD or a copy of the message so you can hear what you missed while he took you away. Are you hearing now? The spirit of God can take you away and also the enemy can take you away. If you let him, he can steal your attention. And word can be going forth and you're thinking about Walmart or some bill or something. Amen. And you're gone. You're still here, but you're gone. 
And then after service, someone asks you, what was the word about today? You have no clue. Because you were here, but you weren't here. So I would prefer the Spirit of God take you. He got you. Praise the Lord. He's got you. All right? So we need you to hear as well as hear. Amen? All right. All right, last week we talked about, um, here again from the subject of between the cross and the third day, we talked about the importance of, of the Lord's work on the tree, on the cross, as the scripture says. How the Bible says that in, uh, even in 2 Corinthians 5.21, that he was made, that the Father made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we, you and I, might be made the righteousness of God in him. The Bible says clearly that Jesus was made sin. He was our sin offering. If we, if we get a chance today, you'll, we'll, we'll talk about some big words, uh, propitiation and uh, expiation. We're going to talk about these big words today, and I want to show you what they mean if we get a chance to get into them. But right now, I want you to understand that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He appeased the wrath of God, really propitiation. He appeased the wrath of God. He, the Bible says again that he was made sin. Okay, Isaiah, Isaiah gives, up, gives, us, gives us another picture. The Bible says that in Isaiah 53, verse number six, it says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. So not only was Jesus made sin for us, also our sin was laid on him. Okay? So that's a more full picture. The Bible says, and also the Bible says as well in Galatians 3, and we'll get our opening text in just a moment, so just hang with me, okay? The Bible says also in Galatians 3, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Why? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. All right. So on this cross, on this cross, we see that all the sin of humanity was placed on Jesus Christ. All sin of humanity, past, present, and future, the sins of humanity were placed on him on the tree. He, not only were the sins placed on him like some type of cloak or robe, but he was also made sin for us. He became the sin offering for all mankind. Are you hearing? All right. So on the cross. Now that took place on the cross. So for more on that, just hear last week's message, but we're going to go on a little bit further. Today we're going to talk, really get right down into this. What happened after the cross experience? What happened after the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, so we're going to put an arrow here going from the cross down. And I'm going to show you what we're talking about here down. All right. Now, the Lord's body, we know, let's say over here, let me back over here a bit. How about that? The Lord's body, 
is laid in a tomb. This will be our tomb. I just got the son to go with me. All right, there's the stone that's on the tomb. His body is laid in the tomb. His body, that is his, his flesh, is laid in the tomb. But his spirit, <clears throat> his spirit now travels down. We understand that? Body and tomb, there's a separation of body and spirit. Now, of course, uh, his soul is also intact. You get to take your soul and your spirit with you where you go, whether down or up, down to, to hell or up into the heavenly places, okay? <clears throat> Many people say that when Jesus died on the cross, <clears throat> he was just in the tomb or he immediately went up into to heaven. That's not true. That's not so. Jesus was made here again. He was, let me write this down. He was made, made sin for us. Okay, so in effect, Scripture says again, he who knew no sin became sin, right? He died a sinner's death on the cross. This was not a righteous man's death. He died a sinner's death on the cross. Remember, on that day, there were three crosses. Another cross here, another cross here, right? There were three crosses and three persons were supposed to be executed that day. Three persons were. But Jesus took the place of Barabbas. Right? Um, so Barabbas, meaning son of Abba, son of the father. He took the place of the sons of the father. Highly prophetic, isn't it? So Jesus took the place of the sons of the father, the creations of the father. He took our place. He not only died for you, but he also died as you. He took your place. We should have endured the judgment, but in fact, he endured the judgment of the Father for us. So he became sin. Sin was on him, and he also became sin. So because of that, he had to die a sinner's death. Okay? Those that have sin in them, on them, and made sin, do not go to heaven. Because there is no sin in heaven. So we know that Jesus did rise on the third day. We know that he did come out of the tomb the third day. And we know that he ascended, the scripture says in the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, that he ascended above all heavens and is now seated at the right hand of God. So something had to take place between the cross and the grave. Because he who has been made sin and having all sin of humanity on him cannot just go to heaven. There must be a purifying, there must be a purging that would take place between the cross and the third day. Praise Jesus. Are you, are you with me? Okay, I think I can feel some life coming now. <clears throat> now to understand that what took place there, we have to understand really the pattern of sacrifice. The Bible declares that Jesus is the Lamb of God. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming there at the River Jordan and said, Behold, here's the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. 
He is the Lamb of God. He is the Lamb of sacrifice. We know the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Jesus was God's sacrifice. It's God's sacrifice for us to pay the price. Okay, he came to show us how to live and he also came to die in our place so that we would not endure the wrath of God. All right, in its short form. We have to understand the pattern of sacrifice. Every sacrifice in the, of the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. When the blood was shed, it was always pointing to Jesus. Always pointing to Jesus. Because what God would do, that was a foreshadowing of what God would do in his son with the perfect lamb. That's why the lambs and bullocks and all of those things, the Old Testament, had to be without spot or wrinkle because it pointed to Jesus Christ, the perfect man, not having spot or wrinkle. A just man, Jesus Christ, died for the unjust. Okay? So whenever they would bring their animals into the temple or to the altar of sacrifice, the priest had to inspect them. He had to inspect them to see whether those animals were good enough. If they were not good enough, the priest was meant to reject it and not allow that sacrifice he brought up to God. Because here again, that sacrifice was meant to be a picture of Jesus Christ. This is one of the reasons why the Lord was so angry with them in the book of Malachi, because the priests were accepting uh, animals that were blind, that were lame, that were uh, that were diseased. That was not a picture of the Christ to come. So the Lord said, hey, you're cursed. Don't you understand what you are doing? You're trying to defile the picture of the one that is coming. So the Lord dealt with them. But just but in its purest pattern, if we or purest definition, if we understand what the Lord did there in the Old Testament with those sacrifices, we'll also understand what God did with Christ, the sacrifice. We understand there are several patterns and we'll see this. The sacrifice, um, especially on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, that sacrifice must have taken place outside of town. Jesus was crucified outside of town. The priests were always the ones that were responsible uh, for sacrificing uh, for sacrificing the uh, the animal for taking in sacrifice. And we know here, of course, in the um, in the New Testament as well, who were the main ones instituting that Jesus be killed? It was the priest. They were the ones behind the people saying, crucify him, crucify him. They're the ones demanding that Jesus be put to death. So did they so they did not have a physical knife in which to shed his blood, but they were the ones that were instigating his death behind the death. So in effect, it was the priests that caused this to happen. That caused the sacrifice to happen. You understand it? So everything is falling in order. Uh, let me show you just a few things as far as, as, far as the pattern of sacrifice. Uh, listen, it says, now I want you to, uh, to understand this. The sacrifice is put to death, usually, as we said, outside the camp. Its blood is shed. Uh, the body is burned. Now we're going to see this. Okay, the sacrifice is put to death. Its, its blood is shed. The body is burned and the blood is then presented. Number four, there are four things, four patterns of the sacrifice in the Old Testament. I'm sure there could be a whole lot more, but there are four things I have to show you today. Are you hearing? Again, 
The sacrifice is put to death. Blood is shed of the sacrifice. Its body is burned. And fourth, the blood is presented of the sacrifice before God. All right. We are given many Old Testament pictures uh, that reveal what happened to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God after his death. Here again, if we can only understand what took place in the Old Testament, you understand what took place here. Now, let me give you just a few pictures. We won't go into all of them, but we know that, and you can write this down in Exodus 12, verses 5 through 10. We see that uh, Exodus 12, verse 5 through, through 10, we see that this is the Passover lamb, and the, the, lamb, was, the lamb is slain there in the Passover. Uh, he gives his life so that those in the house can be spared from the angel of death that is coming. Uh, the body is burned. The body is burned. The body of the lamb is cooked, and people begin to eat of the lamb's flesh. They take his blood, and they strike it upon the doorposts and uh, side posts of the house. The blood, in other words, the blood is presented. Presented to who? Presented before God. And the blood is also a symbol or a sign for the angel of death to pass over. Now we also understand the uh, very thrilling picture here in Leviticus, the 16th chapter, uh, on the day of, a day of atonement, uh, Yom Kippur. We understand that the sufficiency and completeness of the sacrifice of Christ is also seen here in the two goats. And let me go through this very quickly. Are you with me? Amen. The blood of the first goat uh, here in, in Leviticus 16, the blood of the first goat uh, was sprinkled on the ark. And uh, it ritually satisfied the wrath of God for the year. OK, the first goat killed his blood sprinkled on the ark. Now, the ark, of course, the ark of the covenant housed the. Uh, it housed the Ten Commandments. It housed Aaron's rod that budded. It housed the manna. All these things were in the ark. So when the blood was applied to the mercy seat, to the ark of the covenant, even though the law was there, and remember, it was the law that showed people's sin up. And this is what happened really, too, also in the Old Testament, when people... Uh, when they took the lid off uh, of the ark, revealing law, so many thousands of people died because there is no covering for the law. And when the law is revealed, people's sins show up and there's only one thing to do with sins. The soul that sins, it shall die. The wages of sin is death. So when the lid was removed, the law is clearly revealed and those around must be judged. So when the lid is covered, the lid is covered by the mercy seat and the blood is applied. The blood of sacrifice is applied on the mercy seat. The Lord sees the blood and not the law beneath. Are you hearing? In effect, in effect, the blood covers the law. The blood covers the sin of the people. The blood saying, I will not judge the people by the law. I will judge them according to the sacrifice. Oh, that's wonderful right there. So the blood of the first goat was sprinkled on the ark. Here again, signifying that the Lord sees the blood. When I see the blood, death will pass over. Okay. And the second, uh, the second goat here, just make it quick. The second goat was uh, cast out or the high priest put his hands upon the goat and a fit man would carry him out uh, into the wilderness. 
Now, when the high priest put his hands upon the goat, that meant that that goat would carry the iniquity, carry the sins away from the people, carry him out. All right. So in other words, this was a great illustration as God was uh, saying also in Psalm 103 that he would take their sins away from his people as far as the east is from the west. So in one, you have the blood. Remember, Christ fulfills this. One, you have the blood that is sprinkled on the mercy seat that is on the Ark of the Covenant, meaning God won't judge you by law because the law has been covered by the blood of the sacrifice. Secondly, he takes the sin of the people and he casts it away far away from people as far as the east is from the west. So Jesus fulfills both of these. He appeases God's wrath against sin, uh, taking God's wrath upon himself. Now we can look, if we would look in Romans 5, 9, you can write this down. Uh, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So through Jesus, we have been saved from the wrath of God. Uh, and the removal of our sin by the second goat was a living parable here again of God's promise. Uh, so it's just so many good things we can see there, uh, there in Leviticus, the 16th chapter, how the Lord Jesus satisfied both of those. He satisfied them both. Now, let me give you one more picture before we get into the deeper things here. And once again, you can write this down. Numbers 19, as we talk about the uh, the red heifer sin offering and uh, numbers 19. Now, we're not going to take the time to read through all of it, but I'll give you just a, a few things here. These are all pictures, Old Testament pictures of what God would do through Christ. Remember, Everyone in the Old Testament were waiting on the manifestation of Messiah, the one who would come to take away the sins of the world, the one who would come to save them, come to redeem them. And the Lord was showing them pictures of what the Messiah would do, what he would be like uh, through all these Old Testament sacrifices. Numbers 19, in Numbers 19, verse number two, we see uh, how the bringing, uh, they brought the sacrifice, and that sacrifice once again had to be without spot, and um, had never, was never um, supposed to have a yoke on it. That we know that yoke is really symbolic of sin. A, a sacrifice without a spot and has never been, been in bondage to sin. All right, Talk, talking about Christ. Uh, verse 3, the sacrifice is also taking, taken outside of town. Sacrifice outside of town. And of course, we know that Christ was sacrificed, sacrificed outside of town. Verse number four, you can see here how the high priest will dip his finger uh, in the blood and sprinkle it toward the front of the tabernacle. Now, understand this. This is highly symbolic, highly symbolic. The high priest taking his finger, dipping it in the blood of the sacrifice and uh, sprinkling it before the tabernacle. Many say before the door of the tabernacle. What did God use to write the Ten Commandments? He used his finger. He used his finger. And so the high priest here, God is using the high priest to show the people what he would do. Now, instead of writing, taking his finger and writing law, now he's taking his finger, dipping it in blood and sprinkling it into the door, into the, upon the door, upon the, um, the entrance of the tabernacle saying that now here's a blood trail that leads straight to me. Amen. 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 
Uh, you understand? Way has been made. The way has been made through the sprinkling of blood. Now, here again, God wrote the commandments with his finger, and now this finger um, sprinkles the blood of sacrifice. Now, it is also done seven times, which represents a complete and perfect work. Complete and perfect work. And right there in front of the tabernacle, toward God, saying that all sinners are now welcome. This would happen. The blood is sprinkled. The blood is shed. Verse number five, we see how the sacrifice is then burned completely. The sacrifice is then burned completely. Sin was judged and burned up completely in the body of Jesus Christ. Uh, a righteous man died a sinner's death so that sinners may live a righteous life. Amen. Let me say that again. A righteous man died a sinner's death so that we sinners could live a righteous life before God. All right, we see that in verse number uh, five, verses nine through 17. This is something that is extremely awesome. After the sacrifice is burned, burned up, burned to ash, the Lord told the priest to take the ash and put it in a jar and keep it up in a clean place. Keep it up. Take those ashes. Those ashes were a remembrance of the sacrifice that happened on that day. Put them in the jar and you put them up in a clean place. Because the Lord's going to use those ashes along with what King James says, running water or fresh water. When someone needs to be cleansed uh, or ceremonially cleansed or someone that is unclean needs to be clean, they would take those ashes of the sacrifice along with the fresh running water. The fresh running water would then be poured into the vessel and they would take hyssop, a branch, and uh, they would dip it in the hyssop and then sprinkle it upon the utensils in the temple and also upon the person that was unclean. Here is a direct picture again of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, along with the water of the Spirit. Out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. How we would take the, how the gospel would be preached by the sacrifice of Jesus and by the, uh, the power and the authority of the Spirit. These two in combination would cleanse a person. The sacrifice of Christ along with the flowing power of the Holy Spirit. Are you understanding? So here again, these talk directly to what happened with the Lord Jesus. All right, so we got those things together. Now, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John, John 10. I need to lay those uh, foundations so that you will understand what's happening here because the Lord Jesus is going to go through the exact same pattern of events. As you're getting John 10, again, let me tell you, Jesus had, Jesus had to die a sinner's death. Sinner's death. He was, sin was not only on him, but he was made sin for us. And he could not go from the cross straight to heaven. Couldn't happen. Okay? There must have been a purging of the sin because there is no sin in heaven. So sin had to be dealt with. It had to be purged off of him. John, 7, uh, John 10, let me read just a few verses. Now we're going to flip around a bit so you can uh, take these down if you like. But John 10, verse 17 uh, and 18 says this. He says, therefore, doeth my father love me. Jesus Christ, of course, speaking, you see it in your Bible. Therefore, doeth my father love me because I lay 
down my life that I might take it again. Verse 18, very powerful. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. All right. The Lord told the disciples several times, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be sacrificed. I'm going to die. But don't worry. Three days I'm going to get up again. Several times. Matthew, you can write this down. Matthew 12, verses 38 and 40. Listen to how it, 38 through 40. Listen to how it reads. Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of Jonah, the, Jonah, uh, the sign of the prophet Jonah. Verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly, rather in the whale's belly, here, listen, it says, so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Okay, our first indication, Jesus said himself, I'm going to spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Okay, all right, so something happened there in the heart of the earth. Here again, how is this like the sacrifice? Because we know in the book of Numbers and in other sacrifices, the, the sacrifice is burned. The sacrifice is burned. All right. So here, as Jesus comes down into the belly of the earth, something's about to happen. Now, there is something else that happens. We know already, already we know that he's going to be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. Some people say, well, he just went from the cross up to heaven or went from the cross and he just laid down in the grave for a while. He was there. His body was there. There's nothing happened from there. No, that's incorrect. All right. <clears throat> because death, death does not cure the sin problem. If that were so, then everybody that died would immediately go to heaven. Okay. Jesus's death did not cure the sin problem. So here again, some people say Jesus went from the cross and he was just dead, just lifeless in the tomb for three days. And then after that, he went to heaven. Not so. There must have been a purging. There must have been a cleansing. So we know uh, that the Lord said three days, three nights, I'll be down. He's got a he's got a reservation. All right. And we can look again in Luke 23 verses 41 through 44. You can write that down. Luke 23 verses 41 through 44. What does that say? This is a picture of the Lord Jesus on the cross. All right. Now he's about to go. Are you ready? Uh, the thieves are talking and back and forth. And look at uh, verse number uh, 41, long and short of it. And he says, uh, one thief says to the other, and we indeed uh, justly, for we receive the reward of our deeds. But this man have done nothing amiss. He's done nothing wrong. And he said, and he said uh, unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. That sound familiar? He said, remember, remember me. Well, what did Jesus say right there on the cross? And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me where? In paradise. Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. In verse uh, 44, it says, and it was about the sixth hour and there was a darkness 
over all the earth unto the ninth hour. Some would say here, hey, paradise means heaven. We know that that cannot be the case because here again, he has been made sin. Now, if Jesus was not made sin for us, if the sins of all mankind was not upon him, then there would be no problem. He would have died a righteous man's death, right? And then he would go straight on up to heaven. But that is not the case. He is God's perfect sacrifice for us. All right. So he told him today you will be in paradise. Well, then what in fact is paradise? If you look in the book of Luke, Luke 16, you can write this down. Luke 16 verses 22 through 31. Uh, Luke 16 verse 22 through 31. You will see there a man by the name of Lazarus as an account of the man by the name of Lazarus and the rich man. Right. Lazarus and the rich man died. And we see here in this account that Lazarus uh, was taken to a place called Abraham's bosom. And rich man was taken into uh, the lower parts of hell. Now, let me say this. Prior to Christ, prior to the cross of Christ, or rather prior to the resurrection of Christ, everyone in the Old Testament, no one in the Old Testament went to heaven. Nobody, Abraham, Isaac, David, all of them, nobody went to heaven. Why? Because all of them had sin. They were righteous people, yes, but all of them had sin. And no sin gets into heaven. And the sacrifice, the Bible declares in the book of Hebrews, the sacrifice of bulls and goats and all those things were not strong enough to take away sins permanently. They could only cover the sin. Even uh, Job did not go to heaven. Why? Because the blood of bulls and goats and all these other things could not atone, make a complete atonement for the sin. They could only cover it. Only Jesus' blood was powerful enough to take away the sin completely, permanently. To present us before the Father without fault, without spot. Does that make sense? So where do those people go? Now, if, we're, if this is the cross and this is the earth, Jesus is going under the earth. Maybe he said he'd be in the grave. Rather, rather, he would be three days, three nights in the belly of the earth, in the heart of the earth. Right? All right. Now, there were two compartments we know there in hell. Um, this is the hell. And of course, um, this would be if we would call it paradise which is the place Jesus is talking about, the place where the righteous dead went. There was a compartment in hell called paradise. That's the place where Lazarus was in, in paradise. And there was a, a huge gulf that separated the tormenting side of hell and paradise. Okay? Remember, Lazarus was faring well. The Bible said, you can read, read that later. Lazarus had water. He was fine. The rich man did not have water. He was tormented in the flames. And he wanted Lazarus to take his finger and at least dip it in some water and give it to him. Okay? This, now here again, there is no place in, in heaven. Heaven has no place for sin. Nothing that defiles will enter into heaven. Nothing. 
So all of these righteous individuals had to be kept in store. They can't live anymore on the earth. Once they're dead, they can't live anymore. There's God doesn't have zombies walking around. So they had to go somewhere. They couldn't go to heaven because of the sin that was still on them. Because the blood of bulls and goats and all these other things could not completely remove the sin. So they were in this small place called paradise or this place, not sure the size, in paradise. Remember Jesus said, today I'll be with you, be with me in paradise. So here's the thief of the thief on the cross coming and being in paradise. But before I believe before the Lord entered into paradise with the thief, he took our sins from the cross and entered into the flames of hell. And even into the lower parts of the hell of hell, the lake of fire, where it is the hottest place. And burn the sins up completely. Burn them to ash. And then we see, after the sins are burned up into ash, we see something happening here, there in paradise. I want you to see something. Y'all stay with me? Now, we can look again in Ephesians 4, 9. You can write that down. Ephesians 4, 9, it says... Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also, talking about Jesus, descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Again, Jesus descended to lower parts of the earth. Uh, we could look, I mean, there are so many things that we could look up. Uh, we could, let's go for um, Psalm 16, Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11. Let me read this to you as we begin to close out in the next few minutes. Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11 says this. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. Now listen to this prophetic word that's coming in verse 10 that's talking about Jesus. For thou shalt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Verse 11, thou wilt show me uh, the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy at thy right hand. Uh, there are pleasures forevermore. Verse 10 talk is talking about Jesus. You won't, he's, this is a, uh, this is speaking about the father, how he won't leave Jesus in hell. He won't leave your holy one in hell and you won't allow him to see corruption. What corruption? His body in the grave. After four days, the body begins to break down. My body will not lay in the tomb so long that it will be corrupting. Are you hearing? You won't leave me here in hell. You won't leave me there, but you will bring me out of the grave. Now, Acts 13, 29 through 39 tells you more about that and tells you directly that this verse is talking about Christ. That's Acts 13, 29 through 39. Now, let me give you just one more scripture as we close our next five minutes. Are y'all still good? First Peter 3, 1 Peter 3, 18 and 19 tells us what happens after the sin is burned up. Well, what does Jesus do then? The Bible says here, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, 
being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the spirit. Listen, it says being put to death in the flesh, but quickened. The word quickened is old English word means to be made alive. He was made alive by the spirit. It says, verse 19, by which, by which, or some translations can also render this uh, in which, by which or in which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. So we see here that after the sin, now why do we say that he preached to the people in prison, that's Abraham's bosom, why do we say he preached to them after he burned up the sin? Because prior to him burning up the sin, there was, he had a dead spirit. Dead spirit. Now, how do we know that? Because we see here that the Holy Spirit quickened his spirit, quickened the Lord's spirit, made his spirit alive. Amen. And when was Jesus brought back to life? Was it resurrection morning? No, it was prior to that. Are you hearing? So there was a burning up of the sin, burning up of the sin there in the lake of fire. The Holy Spirit breathing, breathing life back into the Lord's dead spirit. Now he is a living spirit and this living spirit preaches to the captives. With this living spirit, he preaches to the captives that are held there. Who are the captives? All of those people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the others that could not go to heaven. What is he preaching? Hey, I'm here. You can now leave. Now it's time to go. I am the complete sacrifice. I'm the one who will make you right in the sight of God. I'm the one you've been waiting on. I'm the one who will take your sin away from you as far as the east is from the west, and the Father will remember your sin no more. I'm the one who will make you righteous. Well, he's preaching to the captives, telling them the good news, proclaiming who he is. You've been waiting on me, and now I'm here. Isn't that awesome? So we see that after he preaches to them, uh, we know that after his resurrection, after the third day there, we know that there are many saints that are seen. They're walking around now, people that were dead. Now they're seen and they're walking around the city. Well, they have access now to come up out of this place. Now they can come up out of this place because they're waiting on the one who has the keys. And when Jesus did all this, there was delivered unto him the keys of hell, death, and the grave. So he takes full authority over all of it, conquering all of it. So having the keys of, of hell, he can simply open the door. All right, boys, come on out now. Boys and gals, come on out now. Let's go. He's got the keys to hell. He's got the keys to the grave. Hey, go ahead. I'll, I'll resurrect your body. Come on up. We just go on. Are you hearing? Amen. Hell, death, and the grave. So, so he has the keys. Now, all of a sudden, on the third day, there are people being seen walking around. Understand, it was more than just the, uh, the patriarchs, Adam, I mean, Abraham and Adam and all those people. There were millions or billions, I guess, of other people that were calling upon the name of the Lord that are not just written in Scripture that believed on the Messiah that would come. Amen. Preaching to them, telling them, I am he. And so they, they come up out of that place. Now, as we close, you'll see here in Revelation 1, 
verse number five, it says this. Now, I love this, Revelation 1 and 5. It says, and from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. He's the first begotten of the dead and of the princes of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood. Colossians 1.18 says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now, firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. Now, firstborn of the dead. You can't be born of the dead unless you are first dead. Okay, firstborn of the dead. Not just a natural death, but also a spiritual death for you and for me. Are you hearing? So it takes place. The sins are completely burned up. They're in the lake of fire. What sins? What was burned up in the lake of fire? What was burned up? The sins that were on him, the sins that were in him. Whose sins? Your sins and my sins completely burned up in the lake of fire. Well, Pastor, why I still got problem with this sin or that sin in my life? I love this. I love this. Brother Peter and I were talking about it earlier, and this is so true. I believe the Lord uh, left here on the earth um, sin for us to deal with that it may be burned up in our bodies. We are the body of Christ. The sin question has been forever settled in heaven, burned up. But we are sometimes still tempted with sin. The enemy, the enemy in the earth still trying to tempt tempt us to sin. But as we mature in Christ, And as we resist the enemy, he flees from us. And the sin that is upon the earth, when it touches us, will simply burn up as we yield to the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Did you get that? Hallelujah. You're not meant to entertain sin. You're meant to let it burn up on you and burn off of you. Hallelujah. Through the power of God's holiness in your life. Praise God Almighty. We have so much more, but I think we better stop here for now. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. We are done for the day in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.